Hawkeye football is just days away from starting. During part one of week 171, our official season preview, we take a look at the depth chart and the roster for Hawkeye football and talk about which positions are of concern, which positions are strong, and so forth. This is our official Iowa Hawkeye football season preview show, and this is from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Are you a Hawkeye fan living in Story County? Do you feel isolated, like you're alone in a maze of red? Well, you're not the only one. And that's why we here at StoryCounty.News have launched a brand new section of our website from the Hawkeye of the Storm, which will feature our weekly podcast, Brada's Branded Thoughts, as well as other Hawkeye-related content for all you Story County residents who bleed black and gold, or if you live in western Iowa, eastern Iowa, or somewhere else other than Ames, and you're a Hawkeye fan, We'd love your support. All of our content is free, so again, give our Facebook page a follow, give it a like, and give our Twitter page a follow as well, at FromTheHawkeye, at FromTheHawkeye on Twitter. The more likes, the more follows, the more support we get, the more content we can continue to push out, and it's all free. It's From the Hawkeye of the Storm, hosted by StoryCounty.News, for the best Hawkeye content in the area. Week number 171 of Brada's Branded Thoughts, and as it is every single year here at From the Hawkeye of the Storm, and of course the podcast, Brada's Branded Thoughts, we are talking about Iowa football, and specifically, this is our uh, annual preseason prediction show where we talk about literally everything you need to know about the Iowa Hawkeyes, and usually then some... Uh, Noah, when I say everything uh, and then some, it's probably then more than you need. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm yeah. joined by uh, Alex, Micaiah, Noah, regular guests on the podcast. And we are, again, uh, first of all, Alex, I know you and I discussed it uh, last week on the podcast. Um, we are days away from football. I mean, this is ridiculous. Um and it just seems like time has flown by. We say it every year. Of course, time will fly by during the season. It's one of the shortest seasons in sports. Um, your thoughts on, well, college football being back in just days. Well, it definitely doesn't seem like it should be here already. I mean, I guess this kind of happens every year, but um, it still feels like we're in the middle of summer. But for some reason, this summer has flown by even more than previous ones so it still hasn't sunk in that it's that close well last year's summer kind of um was garbage <laughs> <laughs> you don't say you don't say something right. happened last year i can't remember what it was 2020 yeah. is such a blur for me yeah and certainly not out of this pandemic yet but um <laughs> things have come a long way i think last time we all were on here i don't had we had we had a vaccine yet had there been a, I don't think there so. a vaccine that was <laughs> not the last time all of us were on the podcast i yeah. don't think so uh uh for anybody who uh is starting to listen or has started to listen to this podcast and, and our show here in the past few months um this is again an annual occurrence and um we do it in august and uh it's always one of our most enjoyable shows to do so let's get right down to it this is all about iowa football uh, first of all, before we get in, get into this uh, much-anticipated episode of 
Brad's branded thoughts. I want to get everybody's thoughts on that song that I'm now. Uh, we listened to it before we jumped on here. I am now going to crown that song as what should be the kind of the theme song for Iowa football this year, right? Your thoughts, and Makai. You know, you and I have a much different taste in music. We usually have heated discussions about it. By the way, the song was called. Uh, where did it go now? Top of the World by The Score. If you know The Score, they do some cool stuff. Kind of an underrated group. Your thoughts, Makai? Um, actually, I kind of like The Score, so... Yeah, I, I figured... I thought, I thought it was a good song. Noah? I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I'm going okay. to be adding it to my playlist. It's a brand so. new It's a brand new single from The Score. Check it out. Available Spotify, Apple uh wherever you listen to music so all right let's get down to the hawks um and that song by the way top of the world is sort of a foreshadowing of what i'm going to really um advocate for with our predictions <laughs> okay Noah's as laughing. always he doesn't understand now listen i'm gonna take a, a very very unbiased approach and unbiased look as much as i can this year during this show all right I have a hard time uh-huh. doing it right Hey, last couple seasons, no, I think I've actually predicted like nine and three at times. So you say you're going to be reasonable and biased, but Corey, reasonable and unbiased. Yes, reasonable and unbiased. <laughs> right, that's what <laughs> I say. We all know what's actually going to happen. We're going to get into it. Twelve and zero. Go through the schedule. Twelve and zero. And you're going to say twelve and zero. Even you know what you're going to say, Corey. You I'm not going to say twelve. I, I promise my. I promise to our listeners, I'm not going to say twelve and zero. I no, he's not going to say twelve and zero. He's going to say thirteen and. <laughs> How many games does it take to win the college football championship? Fifteen, right? Fifteen. 15. There right you go. Now, Fifteen expand, and zero until they expand the playoff. Yeah, no, I'm not going to say twelve and zero. I'm not going to say undefeated. But just a foreshadowing, we're going to get to our predictions a little bit later in the show. But I think I really do believe this, and I'm comparing this back to. Last year, even during COVID, the condensed schedule with, with no um, conference game or excuse me, no non-conference games. Um, I really do believe this can be a special season. I believe it will be. Um, I know in the past, all of us have said, well, we could see this being a, a year that they win the West. I'm not going to give away my prediction right now. But again, key on that term. In the past, we've said they could, all right? That term is going to change in my vocabulary during this show. So keep that in He's mind. He's going to say they are going to win the West. No, I'm not. Listen, no. don't try to spoil this. No, I got We got, we got a lot to talk about. Okay. Let's, Sorry, we got to get into the minutiae of yes, the, the uh, roster, like the, the third string long snapper or something <laughs> like that. I don't think they've got three long snappers on the roster. No, according okay. to the depth chart, they do. Do they actually red shirt Frestrum Bwack, right? Is the starter. Yeah, Spiewak is the starter. It's Kluver. Kluver is the backup. And then Liam Reardon. Redshirt freshman. Liam Reardon. Okay. All right. Sorry, Liam. Um, Yeah, Zach Kluver, correct? Oh, I just scrolled away. Yes. Yeah. uh, We are going to talk about the roster. Okay. First of all, before we get to the depth chart, um, let me get kind of a summary for everybody. For people who maybe um, are not familiar with i mean i'm assuming everybody who's coming on here to listen is probably a diehard iowa fan but for the sake of this discussion let's kind of 
review where we're at with the roster. I'm going to kind of give a summary of where we're at. And then again, if either of you or any of you want to zero in on a position, let me try that again, a specific position group, we will discuss that group. Um, And I want to start with skill position players because the Big Ten Network was in Iowa City um, just this past week. And one thing that kind of surprised me that that Dave, I mean, you know, you got to take everything they say with a grain of salt. But what's interesting about Dave Rebson and, and Howard Griffith and uh, Joshua Perry now is on that crew and Jerry DiNardo um, is they go to these different schools every year and they're going to every school within a matter of two or three weeks. So they do provide sort of an interesting perspective into these practices. And granted, they are getting just a glimpse, right? Just like we get during a, a scrimmage or kids day, we get a glimpse into Iowa football and, and fall camp or practice. But I thought it was interesting that what they highlighted this year, I believe it was uh, Joshua Perry really kind of uh, beat this into the ground and Jerry DiNardo agreed with him. They were surprised with the skill position talent and they continued to reiterate. He thinks this is going to be a more explosive team than we are used to seeing. Now, again, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, I was surprised by that. As you guys know, and as, as any Hawkeye fan knows, you lose Brandon Smith, who's been your ex receiver for four years. You lose Smith Marset, who's been your speedster for four years and your kickoff returner. That shock, I wouldn't say shocked. It really surprised me to hear um, the Big Ten Network say that they thought Iowa would be more explosive this year, but certainly was a nice thought. I mean, a surprisingly good thought. Your guys' reaction to um, those sentiments from the Big Ten Network? Well, it's definitely something that we've been looking for for a few years now. Like, outside of the top couple of guys, it's always been just not lacking is the word I would use, but not quite exactly what we're looking for. I mean, they had the, I mean, you look at the, the history with Smith, Marset and Brandon Smith. I think, I mean, I think all of us here would probably agree. Both of those guys have a good chance at making a roster spot. I mean, I mean, you guys are Vikings fans. I mean, I think Smith, Marset, from what I've heard is performing well in preseason and, and was performing well in training camp. Akaya, you're, you're a Vikings fan. What have you heard from, from Minneapolis? Um, right now, I am an emotionally distraught Vikings fan who's trying to stay a little separate from the team for the time being. I'm very upset with Kirk Cousins specifically, but the whole offense is an absolute mess. Hey, we need the help. Uh, he's he's uh, He should be NFL-caliber talent. The Vikings can use it. They need a punt return. <laughs> they need punt return help. That's my yeah. thought. They need punt return help, and, and he provides immediate help in that in that category. Um, Brandon Smith, we've seen him catch at least a couple, I believe a touchdown the other night. It was on NBC. Um, and has had some nice catches for the Cowboys, went undrafted, but I think he's got a shot. So my point is, I was surprised to hear that. Um, I think probably the young talent is what they're referring to, along with the steadiness of Anika Regani. Charlie Jones, and I think maybe some more explosion from Tyrone Tracy. Alex, what's your reaction to that sort of a uh, that sort of a uh, evaluation of Iowa at this point? I mean, I'm kind of surprised by it. I, I kind of could agree with maybe 
a similar level of you know explosive talent at skill positions to last year but to say that they're going to have more is a little bit odd to me i kind of have trouble getting on board with that but i mean it's good to hear and are, are alex are you where do you point to i mean if you had to i don't want to make this a guessing game but if you had to identify a position where you would think that explosion or that increase in explosion would come from i mean where would it be besides I mean, do you say running back? I mean, has Tyler Goodson made that big of a jump? Has the tight end room gotten that much better? Um, or maybe it's a combination of quarterback and, and just receiver growth in general. Not really sure. I mean, you know, that's that's kind of what I meant. I'm, I guess you could say maybe they've seen improvement at, you know, several different positions. I know a guy like uh, Charlie Jones is an explosive guy who, is going to get more time this year probably. And, um, you know, hopefully I would assume, I would guess that they're probably looking a lot at um, the running back position, but that's just a guess. Yeah. And Tyler Goodson, I I think most people expect Tyler to take a step forward. Um, You know, he's a guy who we've seen the ability from him. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting a battle between him and Brees Hall week two in, in, in Ames. Um, that's going to be a potential Doak Walker award showdown. Uh, I don't think that's hyperbole at all. Uh, Brees, Brees Hall is that good. And I think Tyler Goodson is that good. And if you get a healthy Ivory Kelly Martin, that certainly changes things as well. So we will look at the, the, uh, the depth chart, but I wanted to kind of throw that into the mix here early. Um, and then the other thing that the, the big 10 network really highlighted was the offensive line, which again, I know you should say, well, that's obvious. This is Iowa, but that's honestly a position that I'm Alex. I think you and I talked about this. That's not a position where either of I, uh, either of us look at as a tremendous position of strength this year. I mean, of course you bring back the best center in the country and maybe the best lineman in the country and Tyler Linderbaum that helps you immensely, but you lose Alaric Jackson, you lose Mark Kallenberger, you lose Koi Kronk. Um, there's a lot of turnover there and we will get to this later, but the big 10 network also watched that practice without one of Iowa's starting guards, Kyler shot, who was injured bailing. Hay a couple of weeks ago. So my, that is my, such an Iowa injury, isn't it? My, <laughs> my reaction to that though, is again, very, very, when you hear the big 10 network make comments about, um, categories of play or positions that you are sort of semi-concerned about that's comforting to me um would you agree with that Noah yeah I can see that these guys are supposed to be experts you know they do this a lot their opinion is more or less respected by the community so for them to say that these guys are doing a good job in this position group it makes us as fans feel a lot better well, and they're uh, comparing it team. to the other Big Ten teams. I mean, Iowa was is one of the final teams in their camp tour. So they're able to kind of compare uh, and make comparative comments as opposed to being the first team out of a gate, right? Um, so let's go ahead and look at the depth chart. We'll talk about our positions of concern. And this, of course, will lead us into eventually talking about the schedule and some of our predictions. And I, again, I'll just tell you my prediction – I, I've been more, I'm more confident in my position in my prediction right now 
than I have been maybe since 2016. That one didn't work out um, the way we wanted 2016 to work out, uh, but we'll get to that. So let's talk about the depth chart. And Noah, you're going to kind of take the lead with our depth chart. So let's start at quarterback. Um, We thought maybe there was some competition this spring. I think reality is that Kirk Ferentz is more comfortable with Petrus than anyone else. He is going to be the starter week one. If Spencer Petrus does not perform weeks one or two, and they're 0-2, which they very well could be against those two opponents, um, you know, perhaps we see a change, but I think it would take a lot. Kids Day really looked to be a step forward for Petrus as far as separation from Alex Padilla. Um but give us a rundown of, of the quarterback depth chart as it's listed right now preseason. Okay, so this was this is on ourlads.com, last updated uh, August 10th. Uh, according to what they've got here, uh, Petrus is the starter. Uh, Padilla is second. Deuce Hogan is third. And Joey Labas. I don't know how to pronounce Joey that. Joey Labas, yeah. Joey Labas, who's... A freshman, so he, we're not going to see him for a few years, probably. But true freshman just got on campus. Um, you know, a lot of hype around him, but there's also a lot of hype around Deuce Hogan and H- Hogan. His, I mean, right now everything we've seen, Alex Padilla is the backup quarterback. Um, you know, and he was a highly touted kid. I mean, Georgia wanted him, um, but I think a lot of people expected Deuce to come in here and kind of seize this thing. And I could see Deuce transferring this year if he doesn't see the field and, and Petrus is rolling. Remember Petrus and all these guys have an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. So Petrus as of right now is listed as a redshirt junior, but technically he could be a redshirt sophomore if he were to choose to stay an extra year. So that's something to note there. Um, so let's talk about quarterback. Obviously it's been, it's Petrus job to, to uh, lose Alex Early on last year, we saw Petrus struggle, um, but then they they win their final six games. Petrus plays a lot better down the stretch. I think of games against Wisconsin. Uh, first half against Penn State was better, and then second half against Illinois, and a comeback was a lot better. Nebraska, again, back and forth. Don't think it was a total turnaround for Spencer, but he did win the send the team to six straight wins behind a very solid running game. Um, but those first two games were bad. I mean, you're up 17-0 against Northwestern. We've talked about this at length. Um, I think part of it was play calling. You throw the ball 51 times. That's not a recipe for success when you're up 17 nothing, right? And another interesting note about that, you were talking about the Northwestern game, right? Yeah. In week two. He had three interceptions that week. Yeah, a lot of them were coming at bad times. Again, I don't think Brian Ferentz put Petrus in a position to succeed in that game. I don't understand the 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 game plan of throwing the ball 51 times to the quarterback who isn't playing well when you're up 17-0 at home, right? But it kind of played right in Northwestern's hands. And But again, we, we just saw that instability from Petrus early in the season, and that was without crowds, okay? There was no crowd at West Lafayette week one, and Petrus really struggled has problems running in the fastball. Um, Alex, what are your what are your kind of overreaching thoughts about Spencer heading into two very difficult games once again? More difficult than last year. Of course, he's got more experience, but very difficult opponents weeks one and two. Well, I think it is a different story this year because he has the experience and 
and he's kind of been there, done that, but they're also going to be at home. They're going to have the help of, of a crowd. And, um, you know, he's just, yeah, I think he's going to have a little better grip, better, a little bit better handle on, um, on his game. And hopefully he'll be a little more relaxed. Rainy in the fastball again was an issue. Uh, Micaiah, you know, we saw that a bit with Nate Stanley. I'm going to turn to you again here because as you and I both know, Nate Stanley's fighting for a roster spot in Minnesota. Don't think he's going to get it. Um, given the fact too, that he has been on COVID reserve because he refuses to get the vaccine. That's his decision, but that does not help his chances of making the roster. I think we'd all agree on that, but Stanley struggled at times with reigning in the fastball. What does Petrus need to do? Or maybe what do we hope he has done in order to correct that? Um, again, right off, right off the bat this season. I hope he's been spending time working on just putting in reps. The, the When you throw with that kind of velocity, it's really, really hard to be pinpoint accurate, which you need to be from that five to yeah. maybe all the way out to about 15 yards, that five, that more intermediate passing range. It's hard to be accurate when you throw hard. And in that Every kind of space, time. you're throwing between linebackers. You're trying to fit between backs and safeties or to get it underneath of the back, the linebackers, and you're fitting it into really small gaps. You have to be pinpoint accurate. More than anything, it's timing with your receivers, which is just practice. That's just running the same plays over and over again. And it's developing the muscle memory in your arm to be able to put the ball exactly where you want it, to have confidence that it's going to be there so you're willing to make that throw as well. And Alex, I remember talking about that first game last year with you. And, and you know, Spencer really, I mean, he was throwing bullets rifling the ball downfield wherever the ball was. I mean, we're talking 30-yard passes, and he's just, I mean, literally like a rocket down the field and just no chance. And and let's be honest. I mean, we're going to get to Sam Laporta. I think Sam Laporta is going to be the next great tight end at Iowa. I think he's going to be the next great NFL tight end at Iowa. I really do. I think he's going to be a starter someday in the NFL. Um, Now, again, things can change. Injuries can affect affect things. But um, he did his best in that game. I remember trying to catch these balls. Um, Smith Marset, I remember getting very frustrated in that game. Um, he struggled, but, uh, I think overall we just saw a very, very nervous performance from a guy who is very confident about himself. Um, but you know, just never really was able to get, get into the groove until, you know, week, week five, week six at the earliest, um, you know, now you add in fans, especially week two against Iowa State. You know, how does that affect his uh, play calling, his composure? Does that worry you, Alex? Given his struggles throughout all of those games, these were not these were consistent struggles without really much of a road environment to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the rifling passes seems to be something that happens with uh, quarterbacks are nervous for some reason. Um, maybe they feel like it helps them, you know, not have to put so much touch on the ball if they're, you know, I, I guess it's better to go to throw too hard than it is to pull up on a pass. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern. We've had the same issues for a while now with uh, Nate Stanley, now Petrus. So we definitely don't want to see that same 
stuff going on. We want to see Petrus have more touch. And I think he is, I think he's a better passer than Stanley. I mean, he seems like even at this point in his career, like he's a more skilled passer. So I think he should be able to rein that in. And like I said, hopefully the nerves won't be as much of a factor since this will be a little bit different scenario than it was starting last year. And so right out of the gates, you get Indiana at home, you get Iowa state on the road. And I, so I think a big part of, Spencer's development is going to be, does he have a running game he can rely on, which really helped him settle in last year as the season wore on. And again, six straight wins is some momentum heading into this season. Um, And so let's slide down the depth chart further. Let's go to the fullback position, Noah, which is one of your favorite positions in the field. I know. And I believe he is a fullback. Yeah. Monty, (laughs) Monty Potabom will lead us off there. And and I think Monty played well last year as every fullback at Iowa seems to. Yeah. That's a position that you can always rely on. It's a very understated position, but every fullback in Iowa does their job well. So so as you said, uh, Monty Potabom starts off as the starter. Turner Palisard is the, Second string and Johnny Plewa is the third string. Yeah, it's actually pronounced Pleva. And if you remember, Pleva? you remember uh, Macon Pleva, his older brother was the starter at Iowa after I believe Adam Cox, if I have that correct in my mind, right in the same time as Drake Kulik. Anyways, kind of a family history there of, of fullbacks. So we see less and less fullback usage throughout college football. Even at Iowa, we see a little bit less. We're going to see, I think, more. Uh, two two uh, running back sets. Uh, we saw that late in the year, uh, even sliding a wide receiver back there like Tyrone Tracy. I think we'll see we've got quite a bit more depth at, at uh, wide receiver, even though they lost Smith and Smith Marset. I do think they have more depth now that they're comfortable with. Um, and so I think we'll see fullback less and less. So let's go on to um, not that it, that won't happen and we won't see them, but uh, less and less of, of the fullback. Let's move on to our skill position players, specifically wide receiver. And this is a conversation that could take a while because I have a lot uh, of, of thoughts on each one of these positions. And I'd like to get, gain your guys' uh, insight on this, but let's start with the X position. Uh, and again, we know that these guys can be moved around. I think Brian Ferentz wants to kind of have some flexibility. Certainly, uh, Kelton Copeland, the wide receiver coach, wants that as well. But But let's run through the wide receiver X to start. So Tyrone Tracy uh, is still the starter at the X position. And as you said, these guys can move around. So uh, Keegan Johnson, who's a freshman, a true freshman, is listed as second. And uh, redshirt sophomore Desmond Hudson is third straight. Okay, so so here's my thing. And, and we're going to, again, I want to get everybody's thoughts on this. So you got Tracy at 5'11", who we've been told by coaches is comfortable playing anywhere. Um, I am a big advocate, and again, maybe some people are not. I am a big advocate for having a guy in the field who can go up and jump over a defender and make a catch, right? I'm talking Calvin Johnson. Now, again, I understand that these guys don't come around every day, but Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson. Um, Apparently, your last name needs to be Johnson. Yeah. Uh, what's the guy from... Uh, Hey, New Orleans. Keegan Johnson, Michael Thomas, <laughs> Michael Thomas, you know, a guy like that who can just go up and get it. And my fear is like a, a basketball player boxing out. 
Yeah, and that's what you we had seal with, off the defender. That's what it. we had with Brandon Smith, and I think Smith was sometimes underutilized. <laughs> but I think we'd all agree that that's kind of what Smith was for Iowa. So my concern with now Tracy being that X guy is he's not catching fades in the back of the end zone. All right. He's not going up and jumping over a guy. I think he's very athletic, but he's just not that type of guy. He's five eleven, Um, and so I've been an advocate for somebody. I was trying to get somebody who could step into that X position and you, that way you can slide Tracy over. Um, but if you look through Iowa's running back core, there isn't a lot of height. You got Deontay vines at six foot, Nolan Donald's five, nine Tracy's five eleven. Johnson's, Six one, Arlen Bruce five ten, Quavon Matthews is five eleven. Charlie Jones is six foot. Max Cooper is six foot. Um, Desmond Hudson six three. He's the guy I've been calling on for months now. Ideally, given his, you know, uh, measurables, you'd like him to step up and, and find his way to the field. Am I reading too much into that, Alex? As far as having a guy who is big and who can get up and make a play? Um, or is that a concern of yours having three starters? And we, I know we haven't gotten to the Z and F positions, but Tracy Jones and Regani are all six foot or less. Yeah. I mean, you can't really do much about that. I mean, you're not going to try and cram a guy in there who maybe shouldn't be on the field just because he has a different skill set necessarily, unless he, you know, has played his way onto the field. So um, I think we probably got a little spoiled with Brandon Smith. And like you said, he was, in my opinion, also underutilized with that you know, ability to go up over defenders. But um, you just got to work with what you got. Makai, your thoughts on the size outside for Iowa? Um, this is when I wish I had my own list up. I should probably do that, huh? <laughs> I mean... Corey mentioned basically every player in their well, wide receiver. Th- th- there is one guy we haven't brought up, and, and we can bring him up. I don't think he's going to see the field, though, because um, just Kirk's kind of uh, say uh, standard. But Brody Brecht is a guy I was really excited about when they got a commitment out of him out of Ankeny um, last year because he's 6'4" and he's a he's got great hands. The problem with Brody is he was not an early enrollee, so he's automatically behind the eight ball there. And you know, for a while, we didn't even know if he was going to be playing football. We thought he might get drafted by the MLB. So here's a guy who's decided to be a multi-sport athlete at Iowa. He's going to play baseball and, bat- and football. Um, but, I mean, besides Brody and, and Quavon, or excuse me, Desmond Hudson, you know, Jackson Ritter. Um, I believe Jackson Ritter, uh, Makaya, maybe you can find this for me. I believe Jackson Ritter is a walk-on. Um, I really don't know about much about Jackson. Um, I do believe he is a guy that Ferentz mentioned has played well in practice. You know, I don't know if, if Ferentz is saying that as far as comparing him to all the other receivers on the depth chart or specifically just looking at guys who he feels fit, fits that X mold. Um, so maybe Keegan Johnson at six, one Noah, you mentioned he's right now. He's second on the depth chart. Maybe he's a guy who can, um, spell some time out there. I, I just, I do worry about it. I, I, I you know, ideally yeah, you- uh, looking at the, uh, looking at this list, there is a definite 
undersizing of yeah is that just me talent. or is that that's not just me right that, that no is, it's like every single guy is like is that oh, not, is that normal though i mean it, uh, i don't it, think so usually you have one or two guys that are in that six two to six four range yeah i, I mean yeah. I, and maybe maybe six four that's that's kind of tall but that's like on the upper side of, of what but you're talking like a, a, a guy who's more like a like a, I guess he kind of be a red zone okay, threat. Here's what I want to do. No, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you. Space. I'm gonna have you. Uh, again, we're kind of most of this is not scripted out, folks. So we're gonna kinda, oh, <laughs> we're gonna really? go off here. Noah, I'm gonna have you do a little project for me real quick, and, okay. and 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 all of us can help out with this if you still choose. But I'm gonna give you some of the best receivers that I can just think of off the top of my head from the Kirk Ferentz era, and you give me their height. Right. Okay. Okay. Before you do that, yeah. Do you want the results of the last project that I worked on that I never got from, a chance to share from, la- from last year? No, from oh, earlier from in this podcast. Okay. Sure. It has to do with the quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay. So, how would you say Nathan Stanley performed in his last year at Iowa? Um, performed. What do you? Mean? How good that. was quantify he? That. Good. Well, I mean, great. He's okay. Average. I mean, I think he was a very good leader, but completion percentage was never a forte for Nate Stanley. Right. We would all, so, in fact, he, I think he was under 50% in high school. So in his last year, Nate Stanley had a 59.4% completion percentage and just shy of 3,000 yards. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, that's not good at this level um, to not be able to complete 60% of your passes. It's just not. Now, here's the reason I thought of it. Yeah, exactly. Here's the reason I thought of it. You compare Petrus last year. He finished the year with a 57% completion percentage. And if you take um, Stanley's total yards from the last year, 2019, and trim that down, average it, and trim it down to eight games like last season, he comes out with around 1,800 yards, 300 yards ahead of Petrus, his total yards for the season. But again, we're comparing a Nate Stanley senior year performance to a Petrus sophomore first year performance. That is uh, true. Having not had a spring practice. So I, I give Petrus a bit of a pass there from the eye test. I think Stanley was much better than Petrus. Alex was, I don't think Alex, you were necessarily talking about straight up that you would at this point rather have Petrus than Stanley, but I think you're talking more potential. Um, am I right in saying that? I, I don't think you can possibly say that Petrus was better than Stanley, probably any of Stanley's seasons last year. No, I'm going more by potential. And I think that it's hard to judge a guy off of, you know, sophomore year but also because stanley didn't really improve that much over his career and you know if that if that's what happens with petrus that would suck but we have yet to we'll have to wait and see i will say at least in the completion percentage side of it um between stanley's sophomore and junior year there was a four percent jump from 55 to 59 percent and yet that didn't grow after he kind of plateaued, right? I mean, that, that's that's kind right. of the Iowa quarterback. In his stick. junior and senior years, they were basically identical. But on the flip side of that, um, 
his touchdown and interceptions, Stanley's, in his sophomore year, 26 touchdowns to six interceptions. Yeah, I mean, the numbers bear it out. I mean, Nate Stanley was a very successful quarterback at Iowa. Very successful. Won several bowl games. Um, But let's go back to the topic of wide receivers for a moment, Noah. Um, I'm going to give you some of the better wide receiver cores, if you will. And the first one that comes to mind was the 2009 successful season in which... Marvin McNutt, Darrell Johnson Kuyanos, Trey Strauss, Colin Sandeman were the guys that year. I believe Sandeman was on. Yeah, that, he, he was on that team that year. Um, so I want you to look those four guys up and give me heights for each one of those players. Okay. Again, Sandeman. Let, let's DJ. take them one at a time. So, so Marvin McNutt, let's see. I know Marvin was over six foot. Six foot two. So there, there you go. We don't even have to look up the other ones, right? We don't even have to look. Get, my point is, they had a guy who was fit that X mold, right? So Marvin McNutt was the guy in 2009. That was an Orange Bowl winning year, right? Going on to the 2015. Not a great receiving core in 2015, but it was a year where Iowa goes 12 and 0, was one play away from the nat- from the college football playoff and a Big Ten championship. And the receiving core was Tavon Smith. So we'll start with him. Tavon Smith, uh, Jacob Hillier are the guys that come to mind. Again, not a real strong core, but a passable core for a team that was very successful. Tavon Smith, six foot two. There you go. Right. Um, Clinton Solomon. Clinton's a guy we've had on the podcast. And we're going further, further back. What, 2000? 2000, 2000, trying to think of what year he was. 2004, I believe, was his big year. Um, where's Clinton Solomon at, Noah? Now? No, no, no. As far as height. Oh, I was going to say uh, six foot four. Okay. Anybody cringing a bit now? I'm not. I'm not trying to push the panic are, button. The modern wide receivers are a little bit undersized. Okay. Yeah, and but you might be you right. Can, I, you can tell that just looking at the roster. Well, let's be honest. Kirk has never been known for great wide receiving cores. I mean, that 2009 team with McNutt, DJK, and uh, Strauss, along with Sandman, that was kind of an anomaly. So maybe we shouldn't ex- maybe we shouldn't compare them against other other Iowa teams. Maybe we should compare them against other Big Ten teams. And I'm not going to take the time to do that. Maybe I should have researched that here in advance, Noah. But um, the point is, I think those numbers bear out what we were just saying that I do think Iowa needs somebody who can go up and catch a football. Maybe it's Keegan Johnson at six one. We've heard a lot of good things about Johnson and Arlen Bruce, the fourth who, if you remember, he transferred up from Kansas up to Ankeny played with Brody Brecht, actually his senior year. Um, but again, Arlen Bruce is five ten. He fits the slot mold. You know, Charlie Jones is six foot Keegan Johnson, six one, but Micaiah, you're saying you don't think maybe that inch or two, is that big of a deal if one of those guys who are six foot or six foot one can step up? If they have enough athleticism, it doesn't matter. That inch or two doesn't matter. Okay. But they need to have enough athleticism to make up for that. Um, I'm just looking at this from more of a, because I'm more of a basketball guy than a football guy. Like that inch or two in basketball means you're roughly the same height. I'm not entirely sure what that means in football, but I would assume that as long as they're, maybe just a, a little bit more athletic at that slightly smaller size. 
Well, I, I think can... the weight also plays a big role in that too, which you haven't really focused on because that weight can help you to hold your position, especially in the air. Cause it takes more, I don't know, maybe I'm just being stupid, but it feels like that extra size can help you to hold your position when you're in the air or to fight for a position against somebody like that. You know, there is an expression, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. <laughs> I've heard this. But you know, I, I get what you're saying. I think walling off a defender is also an aspect of being a good receiver. I mean, you're a guy who can wall off a defender and you know, kind of like Iowa tight ends tend to have the reputation for doing. Um, I thought, you know, one of the guys I said in the spring that I said was going to be a breakout player for this team, and this was not me just blowing out smoke, was Max Cooper. And Max is a guy who came back. He came back for a fifth year. He could have graduated. All right. He chose to come back. He did not redshirt as a freshman. He chose to come back. He played as a freshman, played as a sophomore, played as a junior. But remember, did not have great numbers. He was competing with play, for playing time with Amir Smith-Marset, uh, Brandon Smith, um, Matt Vandenberg, his freshman year. So um, I predicted Max Cooper would be a breakout player. Um, I still I still kind of abide by that prediction. I think Max is, from a leadership standpoint, is a guy who can make a huge difference for Iowa's receiving core. He's a, I believe he's a track athlete in high school. Uh, he's got a lot of speed, has returned punts in the past. Um, so uh, I stand by that. But again, six foot tall, more of a slot type guy. But I do think he brings a good level of experience in various in various aspects. And I, he's hungry. I mean, he was hurt last year and hasn't really had an opportunity to shine yet. So Max Cooper is a guy who stands out to me. Alex, kind of go around the panel here. Who do you look to? And it, I mean, and you can say Tyrone Tracy. I get that's the guy that everybody's talking about right now. But who would you look to as far as a guy who you foresee making a big jump uh, at the receiver position this year? Um, well, before I say that, I was going to add something to what Makai was talking about as far as height. Um, this is kind of a basketball thing, too, but height really doesn't matter so much as um, wingspan in some ways in basketball. And I think that's the same in, in football. I'm not sure if that's a stat that you can get for these guys, but, you know, you take a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who's, you know, my height, six two six three, but he has a six ten wingspan and can dunk the ball basically without much of a running start. Whereas a guy like me, if you gave me his athleticism, I still wouldn't be able to dunk the ball quite as well just because I don't have the wingspan. And also, I think there's a slight thing going on with, um, you know, you measure, and this is just my own little hypothesis, but you measure an overall height of a player by the top of their head. But I don't think where your head is really matters that much. It's more where your shoulders are. So if you look at a guy like Kevin Durant, who's already extremely tall, he doesn't have much of a neck. And I think his, if you look at pictures of him, like next to LeBron, his shoulders are significantly higher than LeBron's. And so, you know, where, where the arms are starting, you know, standing reach would probably be a good way, I guess, to measure that. But for wide receivers, um, wingspan, standing reach, that type of stuff can, can be more important and can overcome a little bit of a deficiency in uh, height. Yeah, I think we're talking about the same thing. It's just about range. It's like from where you're standing, how far can you reach? When you jump, how high up can you get? Yeah. Right? 
So it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, wingspan plays a big role in that too. And as a wide receiver, having that range, the the bigger your aura that you can catch things from the because I catch footballs like this. Effective <laughs> you would be. <laughs> okay, so back to my question, Alex. Who do you see making a jump at that position? Making a jump, um, I'd say Charlie Jones is my guess. Um, because I think you know what you're going to get from Regani, and I think he's probably a little underrated. Um, Tracy, obviously, is, is probably the guy, but as far as making a jump, I hope it's Charlie Jones, to be honest. Noah, uh, your thoughts on as far as a guy, maybe a dark horse to make make some noise at that position? Maybe not dark horse, but again, a guy who's going to make the biggest jump heading into September. Well, I'm kind of thinking about Regani. I know Alex just kind of passed over him, but you think about last year, and again, this is looking at his stats comparatively because there were five less games last year because they played 13 games, including the bowl game, and only eight last year. But his numbers went down a little bit. His yardage was well down from where it should have been from his production two years ago. His yeah. receptions were down last year. Yeah. So we know he has it in him somewhere. Yeah. It no, no, wouldn't take too much for him to he had step back up to his average yards from scrimmage went up. Yeah, he but he did have a down year. I mean, I think overall, even he would say he had kind of a down year. And again, new you know, I think Smith Marset had a down year. I mean, I think and a lot of, of that might have just been the whole situation. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, if you, the awkwardness of having to deal with a pandemic like this, um, this is something that they're going to have to to deal with once in their whole life, and hopefully, they they're going to be much better prepared this season. Even though the pandemic is technically still here, there are protocols in place. People are vaccinated; they know how to deal with it. And teams are practicing. This season is going to be a lot closer. I don't think it's going to be 100% normal, but it's going to be a lot closer to what we accept as normal. And I, I think agree. a lot of players that had a down year last year, you're not going to see the same kind of thing this year. I also agree that I think Nick, Nico Regani is going to have a little bit of a bounce back season. His numbers were down a little bit last year. I think he's going to do better this year. I'm going to stick with my prediction of Max Cooper. Haven't heard a whole lot of buzz from him. During fall camp, you know, hopefully he's healthy. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. I feel bad for the kid. Seems like a really nice guy. Um, hard worker uh, from everything we've heard. I don't know. I, I mean, I go a lot of different directions. I Again, I, I'd like to see Desmond Hudson. If there's one guy in this group that I'd like to see take a step, it would be Desmond Hudson. Now, I don't know. That's that's probably fool's gold to put, to put stock in that. But I would like to see Desmond Hudson take a step forward because I think it's more reasonable than a guy like Brody Breck who just got on campus. Just remember, Desmond Hudson is only a redshirt sophomore, so he still has a few years to fill into that position. I believe he's a true sophomore. Um, according to this, it says redshirt sophomore. Okay, all right, you're right, you're right, you're third year guy, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, third year guy though. I mean. It, yeah, he could certainly make a. Brandon Smith and Smith Marset were playing as true freshmen, so that I is don't think one thing. A, yeah, you mentioned Desmond Hudson. According to this depth chart, and again, this is bound to change at some point. But the true freshman Keegan Johnson is ahead of him. 
in the depth chart. Yeah, Keegan, like I said, Keegan and Arland have been the guys, and they've looked great. So, uh, again, I guess I go back to the Big Ten. Where is the Big Ten? What, I mean, go ahead and read the, the other two depth chart um, positions. Receiver positions? Yeah, the recent okay. receiver positions, Noah. And as far so as what we have. we went through X. For Z, it's Charlie Jones, Max Cooper, and then Clavon Matthews. One, two, three. So, I, I don't know. Is our lads just listing, like... Are they list? Is this is this from the University of Iowa? Because <laughs> because Quavon Matthews is. I don't know that they list three guys unless it's an or. Uh, let me look this up. Let me let me, let me look this up as we're talking. While about you look that I, up, I'll talk about the last position. Sure, go ahead. So Nico Regani is one. Arlen Bruce the fourth is second, and Deontay Vines is third. I, I think that's. I don't. I, <laughs> that's the depth chart I've got. I was just okay, throwing so, that out there. So again, I, I guess talk about this while I'm while I'm looking this up. Where, if, if assuming the Big Ten Network was looking at wide receivers and saying, "Man, this group is more explosive," how are they more explosive without Smith, Marset, and Smith? I'm not saying that as a rhetorical question, like they're not, but I'm saying where do you think the explosion is coming from? If that's the position the Big Ten Network was impressed with, well, it could go back to what you were talking about with these two true freshmen. If they've been doing well and impressing people, that could be part of what caught their attention because you know these guys are new, true freshmen already in the rotation to a certain extent, and they have to be playing really well to get that kind of respect and earn that kind of playing time in that position already. Especially when you're looking at guys like Tyrone Tracy and Nico Regani who've been here for a few years already and are known quantities. Alex, your thoughts? You're muted, Alex. I already commented on that earlier. So, and, you know, I don't know what they're seeing. Um, I can speculate. Maybe they're looking at Tyler Goodson. They, they're thinking that's going to be, I mean, that's my best guess, but yeah, I mean, it could be newer guys coming in. Um, I kind of doubt it. I mean, you're talking who's going to be on the field. Uh, not sure how, how much that would factor in. Um, or maybe it's just a, a matter of, you know, Big Ten people looking at last season and maybe they weren't seeing the guys for their potential, but more what they what performances they put out. You know, I think it wasn't just Smith-Marset. I think Brandon Smith had a subpar year. I mean, he, he wasn't utilized as much as he should have been. I think I, I don't see how this team is more explosive necessarily, but um, hopefully I'll be surprised pleasantly. Okay. So let me give you the official report from the university of Iowa. I pulled up the depth chart that was released to the media. And first of all, our lads is sort of, uh, I don't know where our lads is, is getting their information. Um, for the most part, it's correct. However, the university of Iowa uh, Kirk Ferentz has not been releasing a three wide receiver depth chart for a while. Okay. So he lists a fullback. If you look at, and hopefully I'll explain this correctly. If you look at the offensive depth chart you're staring at Noah, there's too many eligible receivers. There are nine receivers. Okay. This list. Well, no, I'm no, no, I'm not. I'm saying eligible receivers. I'm saying you've got three wide receiver positions with number one guys listed, right? 
a fullback, a running back. That's five plus a tight end. That's six times. There's too many guys listed there. That's See what true. I'm saying? So this is how the University of Iowa is, is. This is what they have released. Obviously, Kirk Ferentz being the guy behind this. Tracy and Keegan Johnson are listed as one and two at one of the wide receiver positions. We're going to assume that is the wide receiver X position, if you want to call yep. it that. That's and then, what our labs shows. At the other wide receiver position, it's Nico Regini and Charlie Jones. But again, okay. they're going to line up in different places given, you know, again, do you have a, a fullback on the field? Do you not have a fullback on the field? Again, I'm looking more at do you have a guy who can make plays that in the next type receiver is going to make? And do you have a guy who can make plays downfield, the speedster type? Do you have a slot guy? I, I guess that we shouldn't probably talk about wide receiver X, wide receiver Y, all that. Um, so those are the top four guys right now. But again, we've heard good things about Arlen Bruce. Max Cooper's an experienced guy. And then the guys you listed, uh, I don't know, again, where our lads is coming up with Quavon Matthews and Deontay Vines as being guys who are next in line. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Um, but that's what the University of Iowa has listed. So uh, any other thoughts on wide receiver before we move on? I think we've covered it pretty well. All right, let's look at tight end. Um, I kind of foreshadowed this earlier. Um <laughs> as it relates to Sam Laporta. I think Iowa right now is in a very interesting position at tight end. Because if you look at what Sam Laporta has done, he's a third, really a, a third-year guy who's got tons of experience. He's getting NFL um, hype already. Um, and, you know, let's not forget, he did beat out a very uh, experienced um, tight end two last year for that starting spot in Sean Byer, who caught a touchdown the other night for the Denver Broncos. So this is a guy who I think has next level potential. I don't think there's any question about that. The question at tight end really becomes who is behind Sam Laporta. Is it Luke Lachey? Is it Josiah Miaman? Is it Elijah Yelverton? Those four guys right now are the guys in the depth chart. Now, how big is it that we don't have a clear number two? I don't know. Um, obviously, Iowa has a history of, of running two, maybe even three tight end sets at times. But I don't know how much of an issue that is at this point. It could be the fact that, you know, it, it could be a situation where Sam Laporte is just that good to where he's basically your pass catcher and you've got two or three guys who are rotating in and out as blocking type tight ends. Uh, Noah... Your thoughts on the tight end position and, and maybe what does your, the depth chart you're staring at uh, list, I, I'm afraid to ask. Uh, it sounds like the depth chart that we have <laughs> between the two of us okay. is pretty close um, because it has Luke Lackey. Lachey. Lachey, sorry. Yep. I, I said Lackey the first time too. <laughs> okay. I don't feel so bad anymore. Uh, and then I'll just put it this way. All the guys that you mentioned are on this list. You, 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 you don't want to pronounce Josiah Miaman. Is that the next guy? Or are you looking at Elijah Yelverton? And a lot of weird names, man. <laughs> La, La, think about it. Laporta, Lachey, Yelverton, and Miaman. Those are some weird names. I mean, but some athletic guys, some big guys. Lachey's a, a well, Yelverton. How big is Yelverton according to your? Um, up here. Hold on, I have to pull up a new page. 
six foot five, yeah, two hundred and forty-eight pounds. Josiah Miamman six four, so they've got some size at tight end. I mean, you got to have size at tight end, as we know. Uh, but six six, according to this, Luke Lachey is six six, according to the University of Iowa website. Um, and it's not like Laporta is a small guy either. Six four, two forty nine. Yeah. No, but I think this group is strong. I don't know how it, you know, obviously it's top heavy as, as far yeah. as experience and pass catching ability, but how good according, can, according to this, you've got, let me find it again. Yeah. You've got a red shirt, red shirt freshman as your second. man. Yeah. And that's a good sign. I mean, I, I think it's a good sign. You could look at it the other way and say, well, why, you know, why, why isn't Elijah Yelverton? Let's see. He's a red shirt freshman. What, what are we looking at here? There's just not much experience at at, at, at uh, is a uh, sophomore, redshirt sophomore. Yeah. yeah, and let's remember Josiah Miaman got into some trouble with the law during the off season. Um, got into an altercation at a bar, took off. Cops chased him down, took him down, got arrested. But here's the deal: as I think all of us would acknowledge, Kirk Ferentz is typically pretty consistent with punishment. Unless it's his son, Brian Ferentz. Uh, and Josiah Miamman was right back on the field, not that much longer. So, or not much that, not that much further down the road. So that tells me that Miamman is in the good graces of the coaching staff. That also tells me that he is a good kid. I don't know him personally, but I don't see Kirk getting him back on the field that quickly. Had he not been sorry for what he did and made the correct, the, the necessary changes. So Miamman is a guy I could see making a jump. I was big on him, big on him when he was recruited out of Dunlap um, High School in Peoria. And um, so, you know, I, I think that group is okay. Again, someone's going to have to emerge at tight end too. Right now, we think it's probably Lachey, but I think Yelverton and Miamin are probably on his tail. Laporta is, and Alex, I don't, I'd have to look back. I don't believe we listed Laporta. Porta as one of our more indisp- as one of our top five indispensable players last week. Yeah, I don't think we did. That's probably a mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking about it because if he gets hurt, then you're running one of those guys as tight end one, and that worries me a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, so thoughts on tight end Makaya? Are you comfortable with? the lack of depth there, or, you know, do we really don't know what the depth position or, you know, the, we don't know what the depth of that position is like right now, as of, you know, whatever, whatever day we're recording this here, late August. Um, it's always a concern when there's a, a, a seeming lack of depth, but tight end at Iowa always seems to be at least a stable position. So even though I, I don't see much, I, I'm hesitant to necessarily say it's... I don't think it's a problem. I think they'll find somebody. And I think Laporte is good enough that if he stays healthy, they'll be absolutely fine with with, with running him and then again running a Lachey, Miamin, Yelverton, whoever emerges. There is an important end. point. We might not think normally that a, having a good second tight end is important, but in doing a little bit of research, I uh, found a article that... Uh, on Hawk Central that uh, mentioned an interview that the Des Moines Register had with Kirk Ferentz. And he said, you know, the battle for the Hawkeyes number two tight end might be as big a battle or as important a role as we have because it dictates how they play offensively. Yeah. 
No, I agree. That, that's a fascinating. I think there's a lot of ability. There's a lot of talent there. That that's that's what I'm happy about. There's a lot of talent battling for that second spot, and that's a good thing. Physical traits as well. Again, Luke Lachey, six foot six, two forty eight. Laporte is six four, two forty nine. Big bodies, and then you got Yelverton, who's six five, two forty eight. Um, Josiah Miaman, a little bit on the smaller side as far as comparing to the other, comparing him to the other guys on the step chart at six four two forty four. But um, again, I, I'm comfortable with where they're at right now at tight end. We'll have to see who emerges at, at, at the second spot, but um, certainly you got to have confidence in Sam Laporta. Let's go on to running back because we know the guy at running back in Tyler Goodson. Um, I mean, it, I, I think he's a preseason Doak Walker award. I want to say candidate. I, yeah, definitely a candidate. Right. Um, and I don't think he's a dark horse. I think he's a candidate, a legitimate candidate at this point. How good Noah can Tyler Goodson be? Well, to say someone is, Potentially a dope award winner. That really means something because that is the short list of the elite running backs in the NCAA. So that's definitely saying some pretty good things about Tyler Goodson if you're putting him in that kind of conversation. Yeah. So so here's my thing, and again, I don't want to I don't want to get into speculating about, um, you know, injuries or whatnot. Um, we don't know really Iowa's injury situation. We're probably not going to know Iowa's injury situation minus Kyler shot until week one. Right. Um, but running back is always that position where you worry about injuries, especially during fall camp. You worry about injuries. Alex and I talked about this last week. And I'd like to get your opinion on this, Noah. When you look at the running back position, Kirk Ferentz, Stated earlier this, I think it was actually late July at Big Ten Media Days that they're really not going to be running uh, many tackling plays with their running backs. They're really going to try to avoid injury by not making them be tackled very much. That is a concern of mine. Again, I, I get what you're doing. You're trying to avoid your backs getting beat up on in preseason, but... We saw last year, especially in that Purdue game, fumbling was an issue, or it wasn't even just one or two fumbles we know can change a game. Those are not the Indiana and Iowa State are not the two games you want to have fumbling issues in or you want to turn the ball over in. So I'm a bit concerned this season. Now, Tyler Goodson typically is very good with the ball, but I'm a bit concerned this season with Iowa, you know not giving these guys contact as much as, as maybe you'd like your thoughts on that heading into week one and two. Well, I can definitely see where you're coming from, but at the same time, you have to realize that these guys are experienced, you know, Tyler Goodson, we can go on and on about him. Ivory Kelly Martin is a red shirt senior and he's a good player. A lot of, you know, we're getting true. And that's probably part of the reason why they're trying to be more careful with the contact with the running backs. So from an injury side, I think it's a good thing, person. Because the less wear and tear on these guys, the better. They've got more depth there at running back than 
Iowa does at tight end. Okay. I think we understand that. Um, however, I'm not, not a very big room. I mean, you've got Tyler Goodson at running back one. You've got uh, Ivory Kelly Martin at RB2. And after that, it's a lot of pretty much unproven guys. Gavin Williams, LaShawn Williams, Devin Hilson, who was a late enrollee. Um, am I missing somebody here? Let's slide My down. list only goes to four. It includes the Williams. Yeah, I mean, it's Max White, who I believe is a a, a um, non-scholarship player, and Zach Brand is a non-scholarship player. So it's literally, I mean, it's 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 those five guys, and Devin Hilson, again, just got on campus. So you do not want to lose Tyler Goodson, and if you do, you better darn well figure out a way to keep Ivory Kelly Martin healthy. I think we're going to have to see someone else. Gavin Williams is going to have to play. LaShawn Williams is going to have to play. One of those guys is going to have to emerge early and again, on. You said, like you said, these guys are unproven. So it could be that they get thrown into a situation, say, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen, but say Tyler Goodson gets injured, that falls to Ivory Kelly Martin, he needs a break. You know, say Gavin Williams steps in, and he does a great job filling in. You know, it could be that one of these guys is really the next great running back at Iowa in the waiting, and we just haven't seen it yet. Um, Alex, your thoughts on Ivory Kelly Martin? Uh, again, dealt with injuries a lot. He just is coming off the, I believe, wasn't an ACL. What was he? What is he coming off of? Noah, you look that up real quick. Yeah, uh, the injury that Ivory Kelly Martin's coming off of, but um. Uh, where where is he at in your mind? Because I mean, 2017, he was excuse me, 2018, he was the starter. I mean, Ivory Kelly Martin was RB one, and that was a group that included Makai Sargent. I'm trying to think, who else did that group include? It was Sargent, Kelly Martin, and I'm missing somebody. Um, oh man, who am I missing? I'm missing somebody in that group. Oh, it was um, I can picture his face, the guy who quit early. Right, that walked away from the game. Um, oh man! Noah, look up 2018 Iowa depth chart. <laughs> okay. Um, man, I've got, I can picture his young, young, young first name Alex. Big guy, right? Young. I can't Am I remember. Going, <laughs> am I going crazy? Man, I can't. This is this is not like me. I, I haven't been paying attention trying to look stuff up. 2018 uh, running back depth chart. Running back position. Yeah, and then... That's frustrating. Torn Young. Torn Young. Yeah, that was, I was right. Close. Uh, so, that was that was a decent running back room at the time, and Ivory Kelly Martin was number one guy, but again, got hurt. So, Alex, where are you out with, uh, with Kelly Martin here? His final, most likely his final go around. Well, he's kind of an interesting uh, cat because it's like we haven't really seen him. Um, we've never really seen him that much of him, I guess. And it almost feels like I know he's had the injury problems. It almost seems like he's never been at full strength. So, um, I mean, in a way, we hope that we don't have to see him too much <laughs> because hopefully Goodson stays healthy. But, um, you know, he's a guy, like you said, who used to be uh, the primary back. And, you know, you want it's nice to have a guy like that as a backup. 
he's probably a little underrated at this point because people are, I think, used to seeing his his name maybe on the depth tra- depth chart, but haven't seen him a lot lately. But you know, more serious fans know exactly who he is, and you know, he's a he's a good all around back. I mean, he's elusive and and quick, and I think he just kind of got between the injuries and just other personnel. I think he kind of just got pushed out a bit. You know, Sergeant turned into kind of the guy there for a while. Um, but I think he's a great backup. So running back, we all feel pretty good about running back. I, I, I don't know why a person wouldn't a little bit, you know, hesitant with depth, obviously injuries could cause an issue at tight end or running back, but I, as far as skill level and experience, I'm comfortable with both those guys. By the way, no matter how hard I look, I cannot figure out what exactly Kelly Martin's injury was. <laughs> Everywhere I look, it's just generic knee injury. And maybe there was, you know, maybe it was an ACL. I, I don't remember. Um, but whatever it was, uh, you know, you don't want to deal with knee, knee issues as a running back. Um, and so, yeah, I, I get why Kirk is, is trying to limit contact for both of those guys. Tyler Goodson might be the best player on offense or might be the best player on the team, frankly, maybe besides Tyler Linderbaum. Um, you know, and then Ivory Kelly Martin's got a history with injuries. So I get it. I just hope both those guys are secure with the ball uh, early and often. Uh, offensive line. Um, let's talk about the line. I, I know we could talk probably for hours about the Iowa offensive line. We know Kyler Schott is out for the time being. We don't know whether he'll miss a week, two weeks, three weeks, or maybe even four weeks. But Kirk expects him to be back somewhat early in the season. But that means he'll probably miss the two marquee games early um, and then be back for the majority of conference play. That's probably the most realistic scenario. And that's going to hurt not having him for those first two games. I agree. Yeah. But, But again, Big Ten Network did make a point of, of pointing out the offensive line play. So again, Noah, if, if I'm, if we have a d- discrepancy here, let me know, but uh, left tackle, Jack Plum moves over, uh, had played a lot last year at right tackle. Um, remember Alex Coy Cronk sort of got beat out mid season. It seemed like I thought Coy may have chosen to stay at Iowa another year. He opted to leave uh, kind of a disappointing tenure at Iowa. Frankly, if you look at some of the um, anticipation of what we expected, again, maybe hype, maybe it wasn't deserved, but um, transfer over from from Indiana just never really panned out at Iowa. And then Mark Kallenberg kind of unexpectedly leaves the Iowa football program, um, which was odd, but, you know, uh, the Kallenberger family has a bit of a history. His younger brother, Jack, dealt with some uh, well, going back to last summer, his his younger brother dealt with some mistreatment from Seth Wallace, um, Iowa assistant coach. So maybe there was some issue, you know, an issue there. But nevertheless, it just means Iowa lost players at tackle. And then you add in, of course, a four-year starter at left tackle and Alaric Jackson. You don't replace that every day. So Plum slides over to left tackle, but did get a lot of experience last year. He's a big guy. Um, he's listed as 6'7". He's your prototypical large Iowa tackle. Um, and, um, you know, Mason Richmond is a guy that, uh, Tom Kakert, Hawkeye report.com. We had a conversation with him. He's big on Mason. Um, I, I'm big on Mason as well from everything I've heard. Again, I'm kind of stealing, uh, 
Tom's uh, prediction there, but I think Mason Richmond might be the next next great Iowa line, uh, lineman, you know, a year or two down the road. So he's there as a uh, freshman. And then, um, you know, Cody Ince excelled, I thought, last year at, at guard, Noah. And we've heard, you know, maybe he ends up being a starting tackle this year. I don't really like the idea of that right now. Nick Young is listed as a, as a starting right tackle. Connor Colby was an early enrollee. He's listed as the backup at right behind Nick DeYoung. Hopefully Nick DeYoung has progressed enough because I would love, uh, uh, this is one of my biggest concerns ever since we saw 2018 or 2019, excuse me, and Iowa struggling. I mean, you, I, I remember watching the game with you. No, I mean, we're watching that game against Michigan where they just continue to allow these rushes from the inside. And as you know, pressure up the middle is the most difficult type of pressure to defend against. And we continue to see it over and over and over and over again. And you keep hearing guys. I can remember Gus Johnson's voice in my mind. I sacked again, you know, over and over. It gets ridiculous after a while. So the interior of the line is huge for Iowa. Now, a lot has changed since then. We saw a really, really tough physical um, and just solid all around line last year, including the interior. But I think Cody Ince was a big part of that. So I hate to lose Ince to the outside. Uh, Kyler's shot is out right now. Expect him to be a starter. Um, his backup is Justin Britt, who I've heard great things about. So you hope Justin stays healthy. He's got some game experience. Um, and of course, Tyler Linderbaum is the center. No question about that. Matt Fagan. Um, is listed as his backup. And then the one guy we missed is Tyler Ellsbury at left guard as a backup. So am I missing anything as far as what you're seeing on your end, Noah? Not really. It looks like we're on the same page here. One thing I will say, and this is kind of reading in between the lines, Tyler Goodson spoke with the Big Ten Network um, as they toured Iowa. And, um, you know, one thing... One thing that I noticed from that interview with Tyler is he did say, we've got a couple of guys who are out right now. He was talking about the offensive line. We knew about Kyler shot. Don't know who else Tyler's talking about. So um, that is again, reading between the lines. That could be a guy who was just out that day or could be more serious injury that, that we're not aware of. So who is that? We don't know. But again, the big 10 network said, they were impressed with the offensive line either way. So that is a good sign for Iowa. And that's without shot. That is without Maybe. shot and without whoever the other guy is. Well, I suppose he's had that a couple of guys well out. Of, I suppose that speaks well with the rest of the offensive group. I agree. I no. thought that despite not yeah. having Kyler shot there and so, whoever else might have been missing that day. So, I mean, you know, we know Tim Polisek liked to switch things up. He's no longer the offensive line coach. It's now George Barnett, but he's going to be good. I mean, he's he's going to be running Kirk Ferentz offensive line along with Brian Ferentz, certainly. So they're going to swing guys back and forth, I would assume, as needed. They want the, the, their five best linemen out there, and I get that. But I just hope it doesn't mean does, – I hope it doesn't come at the expense of Cody Ince, who I think is an elite guard who has a chance to play at the next level, um, has the size at guard to play at the next level too. Kyler shot kind of undersized 
at 6'2", 294, but Ince is a, a healthy 6'4", on the inside. But he also got the length, I think, to play outside if he, if he needs to. Um, let's start with Micaiah here. As far as offensive line, um, it all starts with Tyler Linderbaum, of course. Um, what do you see away from Linderbaum as far as um, a starting five right now if everybody's healthy? Um, are you talking about quality or just names? I'm talking, who do you see lining up? Where, where, where do you see uh, Kirk lining these guys up? Do you see Ince playing on the inside? Do you see them trusting a young guy in DeYoung to play right tackle? Or do you see them going with a more experienced guy like Ince and then having to play somebody less experienced on the inside? Where do you want your experience? Um... Experience first and foremost goes on the left tackle side. The left side, left tackle, left guard. Which is sealed my, up. Which is sealed up right now with Jack is, Plum. He's not going anywhere. Exactly. Um, you I, got I, that I don't covered. think so. I don't think he's going anywhere. I should say that. Yeah. Um, if you've got the left side covered up, the, the center's kind of in charge of the whole offensive line, so it's important to have some experience there. Um, would they move Kyler over to no. play center? I don't no. know. They, they, they wouldn't need to. Not hey, you're not moving the best center in the in college football away from center. Well, I thought you said other than Linderbaum. Didn't you just so say Tyler? Or you say Kyler? Tyler Linderbaum and Kyler Shuck. Are you asking if they'd move Kyler over to a tackle spot? Um, what, are you, what are you asking? What, what, what? I think he's I got confused by your question. <laughs> okay, I'm asking you to, to give me a starting five on the line from left to right. Jack Plum's number one. Jack Plum is a left tackle. So who plays left guard? Who plays center? Who plays right guard? Who plays right tackle? We've gotten past Jack Plum. Um, I'm looking at the depth chart, the same depth chart I think that Noah's looking at on Problems. And I don't see any problems with uh, the way they have it listed. They have uh, from left to right: Jack Plum, Cody Inns, Tyler Linderbaum, Kyler Schott, and Nick DeYoung. So again, I guess it's what I, I, I'm going back to this again. I'm not saying I'm not calling Kirk a liar, but whatever whoever de- released this depth chart, which would be Kirk Ferentz, is listing a sophomore and a freshman at right tackle. So, Mike, again, my yep. question is. He's saying that in early August, but he's going to be saying that in early September. He trusts them in camp, but will he trust them at right tackle once we hit August? I guess that's where I, once we hit September, I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from. Whereas you have a guy, you know, you can trust him in, but you lose a little on the inside. And at the same time, you're also moving that less experienced player somewhere else in the lot. Either way, he's going to be playing some. So really, yeah. I think I'd agree with Micaiah. I'd rather have Ince stay at left guard. I agree. And then see well, how either of the Dion Either of the guard spots. I don't tackle. care which guard. He needs to be on the inside. I just, I think, and, and certainly Tyler Linderbaum helps immensely having him on the inside, even though he's not playing guard. Having him, I mean, he is a man amongst. I mean, he's a man amongst boys. If you watch tape of him, this camp, he is incredible. 
Um, he's going to be a first round draft pick, I think, next year, which says a lot as a, as a center. Um, but he is that good. Anything else to add as far as offensive line before we move over to the defense? I will mention a couple of things. Now, I'm trying to figure out, because on the Our Lads depth chart, they have color-coded names. And one of the things I'm noticing is Tyler Linderbaum's name is purple. And according to the legend, that means he's top-rated underclass. It tells you they must think pretty highly of him. Well, he, again, I, I think he's a first-round draft pick, and I don't see him. Now, it, would, it was interesting that he didn't really test the waters um, this past year. He was committed to Iowa. You know, a little bit surprised by that, but he's an You're interesting kid. You're not going to complain, I mean, are you? I'm not. I mean, he's a Solon kid. He, you know, so he's an Iowa guy. I'm not going to complain, no. Um, yeah, no, they, they, that, he, he's the best player on the team. I mean, right now, he is the best player on this team. And uh, that's not that's not an insult. I mean, I think when you have a center who's the best player on the team, I mean, it'd be different if I was saying the punter is the best player on the team. If I was saying, eh, probably not a good thing, right? But I think center is a little bit different. Um, well, you got right. something against Tory Taylor? No, no, no. I think he probably is in the top five, actually. <laughs> I think he's probably actually top five. And again, that's a compliment to Taylor, but not number one. 